Are you obsessed with Los Angeles? Head over heels in love with the City of Angels? Well, this is the podcast for you. At Lifehacks LA, we hack the best in arts, eats, and activities in Los Angeles. So join us and become an LA hacker. What's going on, LA hackers? This is your host, Stefan, and welcome to episode number 104 of the Life Hacks LA podcast. Today we are uncovering LA secrets with writer and publisher Danielle Directo Meston. As a journalist, she has written for many years about all things Los Angeles, including articles for The Hollywood Reporter, Racked LA, Rolling Stone, Curbed LA, and many, many more. But since 2016, Danielle has also been publishing on her own website called UncoverLA.com. The blog is a great resource for local news, shopping, and beauty, events, and deep dives into Los Angeles neighborhoods. In this conversation, Danielle shares some of her experiences as an L.A. writer, all about her blog, and her best tips for uncovering the best of L.A. for yourself. Uncover L.A. is one of my resources for keeping up with everything that's going on in Los Angeles. So after this interview, as my special hack for this episode, I'm going to share some of my other personal favorite top secret resources for keeping up with everything going on in L.A. Enjoy this conversation with Danielle from Uncover LA, and I'll talk to you again soon. Hello, and welcome our guest today, Danielle. How are you doing today, Danielle? Good, good. How are you? I'm fantastic, ready for the weekend. So it's exciting to have you on. You actually run a blog that I read all the time called Uncover LA. But before we get into that and more about your thoughts on Los Angeles, I wanted to know a little bit more about you. Are you from Los Angeles, or did you come here from another city? Um, yeah, I grew up here. I grew up in Tahunga, which is uh, at the base of the mountains, just at the north edge of the valley. But my family immigrated from uh, the Philippines. Oh, cool. You're a Filipino. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. I love Filipino food. Oh, well, I spent quite a bit of time in Seattle. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a huge Filipino community there. So I went to high school, all my best friends were Filipino, and I just got addicted to the food. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. We'll have a good uh, conversation about food at some point. I have actually had some family just south of uh, Seattle in Puyallup. So, yeah, it's familiar. Okay, awesome. Yeah, because there's so many great Filipino restaurants in Los Angeles. So we're going to throw that question in a little bit later. I'm going to circle back to <laughs> oh, that no. just for my own selfish choices because I love <laughs> Filipino food. But um, I wanted to ask you, so you grew up here, so you know L.A. really well, obviously, and you write about L.A. For you personally, what are some of the things that make L.A. so unique and a few of the reasons why you love the city so much? Um, Yeah, so growing up here um, and also being a writer, and I'm sure other writers have said this, I just write what I know, and that's L.A. Growing up here, you know, it's it was interesting to just meet different people, get to know the landscape, learn about, I'm also, you know, like kind of into history. So I think all of that is kind of what makes me passionate about LA, meeting other people. And I guess it's more about the people of LA. There's just so many incredible stories that tie into the city and, and how that weaves into history. And, um, honestly, I think it could have been, I could have been born anywhere and been passionate about where it is. It just happened to be in LA. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just such a incredible mix of people and cultures. And there's just whatever you you want in life, you can find it here. Like you mentioned earlier, you can find great Filipino food. You can probably also find really great Eastern European food in Valley Village. There's just there's something for everybody here if you are willing to, you know, do the work and, and find it. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the greatest strengths of Los Angeles. As someone who's lived in a lot of other major cities, I mean, mm-hmm. some have it as well, but LA just has so much diversity. I think if there's one word that sums it up, and like you mentioned, food, culture, um, things to do, landscape. I mean, there's just so much diversity in Los Angeles. And I really feel like there's something here for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, like just in every aspect of life, there's, I mean, I know it's, a, it's such a cliche thing, but if you're into the outdoors, you can go to the beach, find the mountains and go to the desert in, you know, within the day pending traffic, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, traffic is the ever topic of conversation, but um yeah, you can never get bored living here, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And traffic is definitely something you always got to consider. Um, so you mentioned that you're a writer and you have written and reported on Los Angeles for tons of major publications. Can you give us more background on your career as a writer, how you got started and why you write so much about Los Angeles specifically? Um, yeah, it's, to answer your first question, uh, my background, I kind of just always written. I was editor of my high school paper. I was the editor of my college paper during Obama, the semester of Obama's uh, election. So that was an incredible experience. And uh, I have just always covered local news. I wrote for Patch and LAist. Local reporting has just always been a passion because I think every neighborhood has, you know, you get to know the nuances of every neighborhood and people who live there and the, the topics that are, you know, of importance to them. And it really helps you kind of weave together a story about LA as a whole. Again, there's there's just so much to know about. But um, yeah, I've just always by nature written about LA just because I live here. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's a great city to write about just because that word diversity again. I mean, um, the mm-hmm. history is diverse and um, the neighborhoods, like you mentioned, every neighborhood you go into in Los Angeles has is diverse and meaning that it's different than other neighborhoods. There's different things to do. It's got a different history, a different feel, a different vibe. So you never run out of things to write about when you're writing about Los Angeles. Right. And, you know, like the issues that matter to, you know, let's just say the city of Santa Monica might be completely different than, I don't know, I'm just throwing out random cities. Like they might be totally different than Silver Lake or Boyle Heights or West Hollywood you know, you can really just travel within LA. And I guess that's probably why I write about it so much. There's just so much to learn. I guess you also have to be a bit curious as a writer and and want to get to know people and want to get to know other people, ideas, places. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting stories. Now, we talked about how you've written for a lot of major publications in Los Angeles, but you also have your own brand and website that I follow, that I read, and that's how we uh, connected. And that's called Uncover LA. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what it is and why you decided to start it? Yeah. So before I'll back up and kind of tell the backstory, before I started it, I was associate editor of a website called Racked LA, and we covered retail and fashion news, obviously with a local approach. It was part of the larger network called Racked, and all of the local sites closed in about summer of 2016. And because I had such a history of writing about LA, um, writing about local news, retail news, and fashion, there was really a void after Racked closed in in that kind of reporting, at least from like a hyper-local standpoint. I mean, you know, LA Times and Los Angeles Magazine and um, a lot of the other print publications, they do still cover, you know, neighborhood and local retail news. But, you know, it's there's a lot of reasons why publications aren't covering as many hyper-local news as well. 
budget cuts and all of that, but that's probably for a different, um, a different conversation. But on that note, you know, you, I, I just saw that there was going to be a void. And I also have a background in building WordPress websites. I'm not, you know, by any means a pro programmer or anything or a pro website builder, but starting in Cover LA was kind of like an exercise in, okay, well, I'll build it myself. I'll write the stories myself and we'll see how long I can keep it going. And now it's been five years. So, you know, clearly, yeah, I know, (laughs) which I think you've maybe had Lifehacks LA for about the same amount of time, right? Yeah. About five or six years on the Instagram and then the blog came like a year or two later, but I know how much dedication and work that is, uh, uh, you know, to keep a blog up every week and be writing articles. It's, it can be a grind. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also being a local writer, I just wanted to make sure that I was able to keep up with my contacts in the industry too. So it was maybe more or less part of a, a career move as well, but it's a passion of mine. So it doesn't feel like a chore, but uh, yeah, that's a little bit about the backstory. But yeah, that's pretty cool. So you saw like a, a need for it because uh, Racked had gone away and mm-hmm. then you just decided to start your own. So that, that's right. a really, really good entrepreneur move to make. Now, yeah, um, yeah we, we talked about the neighborhoods. I think that's one of the, like people who don't live here, I think that's one of the most underrated things about Los Angeles. It's like every area is kind of its own little village with its own interests. And yeah. so many amazing things to offer. So this is a tough question. Um, no pressure, but you don't have to pick a favorite, but just a, okay. a couple of your favorite areas and like what you appreciate about that specific area. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm sure my answers would, will change and like, you know, depending on when you ask me or the season, I would say, you know, if I want to keep up on like the fashion scene or, you know, what's going on with the style crowd. I kind of like to hang out around like the West Hollywood area and Melrose, you know, you just kind of feel like you have your ear to the ground on like what's happening in, in, in fashion and culture in that sense. There's a lot of really cool stores there. I mean, obviously Beverly Hills is there. I'm in Rodeo drive. That can be a fun place to take tourists if they're really into that. Let's see what else West Hollywood Melrose. They've got like really good places to eat restaurants is a whole other conversation, I'm sure. We used to live in West Adams for a bit and there are a lot of really cool, I mean, it's changed since since I've moved away three years ago, but there's burgeoning, burgeoning like food scene there, I think by Adams Boulevard. It's pretty central, so you can get to everywhere from there, I think. And the craftsman houses are beautiful. So if you're an architecture nerd, you can just drive around and uh, depending on which parts of West Adams, you know, you can just drive around and, and look at these beautiful homes. One of my favorite, I guess, on the topic of architecture, a few of my other places just to look at cool houses, Pasadena and Altadena. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really beautiful homes there. It's really fun to, you know, kind of get design inspiration if you have an old home or just um, house porn, if you will. Yeah. I mean, they're so beautiful. You just walk down the street and look at them from the outside and you're like, you could spend an afternoon just doing that. Certain yeah. parts of Pasadena. They're right. so, so, so beautiful. Yeah. And you know, there's also like up by Altadena, there's a really cool hiking trail. Up I mean, there's great hiking trails everywhere, but if you, you could, you know, spend a day in any of these little pockets and you'd have your day full and you feel like you've taken a little vacation. And uh, I know this is maybe this is cliche, but downtown is incredible. You know, Elliot Conservancy does some really great walking tours and they're pretty inexpensive and they've got like a Broadway walking tour, you know, having covered retail, it's been incredible to see how downtown and the Broadway district has kind of been revived. I mean, 
I, I don't know that it'll ever be, you know, as vibrant as it was in, you know, the early 1900s when it was like really the hot spot of commerce in LA, but it's just incredible to see the architecture there. And there's obviously a lot of food there. You could go to Grand Central Market. I'm trying to think of some other neighborhoods that are um, that are really great. Um, I'd like to just jump on that downtown Los Angeles, if you don't mind. I mean, yeah. that's probably been one of the most incredible stories about Los Angeles. And especially when it comes to retail is the last 10, 12 years, just the mm-hmm. transformation of DTLA right. and to like a spot you go to. And you know, with most cities, downtown is is the main place you go to. But in, in LA, they've got you've got so much competition, right? I mean, you've got West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. Pasadena, all these different places you can go shopping, and people are starting to gravitate back towards downtown as a central hub because it's just exploded over the last couple right. of years. Right, and you know, we're never gonna. I love visiting New York. Um, we're never gonna. Our downtown's never gonna be <laughs> compete with Manhattan, and I think that's safe for all of us to accept. But uh, yeah, it's just incredible to see these majestic theaters, even, you know, even the Apple store, how they converted um, the tower theater. It's it's beautiful. And, you know, say what you will about capitalism and whatnot, but, you know, at the end of the day, they they did keep it from getting torn down and they were able to, I don't know if you've, have you been in there yet? Yeah, I have. Actually, unfortunately, I was just there like two weeks ago. I'd been meaning to go forever. And at that time, they weren't letting you in. You had to have an appointment. So I only went to the lobby. Uh, but to your point, I saw a lot of people complaining when they redid it. So to fill the audience in, basically, there's this historic theater downtown. The Apple store took it over and, you know, preserved it. And people, some people were complaining about it, but it's like, what's the alternative? It gets torn down or it's just not sitting, there's being nothing done with it. Right. And I, and I think for a lot of people, you know, maybe myself included, that's, um, you know, we consider ourselves a bit of preservationist, architectural preservationist. That, that's like the question is, well, what's the alternative? You know, you tear it down and and build a strip mall or, or whatever, you know, multi-million dollar development could go there. I guess it's the <laughs> ever-present question here in LA. And I think LA also kind of gets some flack for that. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to go too far off track, but I did want to ask you, since we're going down this track, what your thoughts were on the arts district as a place, as a shopping area, specifically a retail place, because you mentioned two of the most popular, like Beverly Hills and uh, West Hollywood and Melrose. What are your thoughts on the arts district becoming a super hot retail area? That's a good question. And I feel like, you know, uh, it's probably very layered. I mean, on on one hand, I I do love going to the arts district where, um, you know, you've got Hauser and Worth and a lot of those lofts and they're, they're just, what is that on third street? There's so many, you know, independent stores there for the time being. We'll see how long that lasts. You know, I think the housing crisis is always, you know, top of mind for people. I mean, I remember going to downtown with my dad. He always has worked in downtown and, you know, Skid Row was always there, but, you know, by no means it, it wasn't what it looks like now, which is, you know, it's it's heartbreaking. And I think that's always like the question of retail is always linked to high rise residences. And, and how are you going to balance that with the unhoused and housing crisis? I'm kind of like, kind of going all over the place with all over the place with my answer but um you know I think overall what's happening in, in the arts district it's it's kind of just inevitable there's no way to grow in LA but out or up and I think it's just a matter of I don't know developing in a way that 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 really supports everybody um, that lives here it's a layered question I'm, I'm sure yeah definitely. I don't have the expertise to answer well and I know what you're saying I mean if you just look at it from a retail perspective I mean, 
the arts district, if you go down one Santa Fe and Hauser and Worth, like you're talking about, yes. it feels and looks like a typical retail shopping experience in LA, but you take a couple turns mm-hmm. and you might be in an area that's not going to be conducive to people to want to go shopping, you know, right. like with uh, people struggling and, and and that sort of thing. So yeah, there's still a lot of challenges to go that way, but I've just been kind of blown away, like what they've done in the arts district, because, you know, yeah. I remember going there 15 years ago and there was nothing, I mean, nothing right. that you would, there's no reason for you to go there really. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say the next frontier, but you know, a lot of really innovative retailers are are moving there. If you're familiar with Dover Street Market, they started in in London, I think, and they've got a location in the Arts District. And it's just even if you're not really into fashion, it's just an incredible store to walk through and to see like the design concepts of how they retail or how they um, you know display everything. It's kind of just cool to walk around there. But I guess on that point, you know, it's like. Speaking of downtown, it's kind of been the magnet for a lot of companies and retailers who who want to try something a little bit different, which is interesting because it kind of also falls in line with the idea of, you know, people coming to the West Coast to reinvent themselves, you know, as far as like retail is concerned and as far as the arts district is concerned, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say uncharted territory, but it's a it's a place where I think a lot of stores are are realizing they can come and and play with some some of the concepts that maybe wouldn't work in like another major city. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of innovation going on there, pop-ups and experimental stuff like that. So Arts District is definitely a place to check out. Just make sure you know where you're going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So another cool thing about your blog that I appreciate is that it kind of sh- it's kind of a good way to keep up with trends that are com- becoming popular in the city. You know, recently with food and entertainment, we've definitely trended to more immersive experiences that I've kind of recognized and, you know, like pop-ups, luxury food halls and places that you go into where they almost look like a set design. I mean, they just put so much time and effort into the design. So I wanted to ask you, because you're here in Los Angeles and you definitely have the pulse on retail, are there any trends that you see becoming more popular in LA after the pandemic's completely over? Hmm. I'm trying to think of where I should even start with that. You know, what's interesting is you think for a city like LA where it's so, you know, it's so sunny here, the light, you know, the weather is so conducive and just being out and about, you know, compared to other cities and countries that I've been to and probably you've been to too, is we actually didn't, I feel like we didn't have as much outdoor dining as we could have. And I think the pandemic has really inspired restaurants to get more creative with, you know, where they can seat people. Obviously now there's a lot of um, sidewalk dining. You know, I I really hope that stays. I think, I I think people are realizing they want to be out in the sunshine when they eat too. And I say that because we go to, you know, San Diego fairly often. My husband's um, from San Diego. So we visit and we were always wondering, you know, there's such a proliferation down there of, um, you know, indoor outdoor eateries that we didn't have here. And so you know, I, I'm hoping that we can get a little bit more of that and have some more, you know, open air, indoor, outdoor spaces for eating. Yeah, that's such a great point because, I mean, you're right. We live in an area where the advantage is the weather and then we didn't have that. My understanding was it, it had a lot to do with just the regulations that were on the books, but right, proving yeah. that there's always a silver lining in any situation. I think that's one great thing that's going to come out of this whole pandemic for restaurants that have struggled is taking advantage of this outdoor dining because it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, you kind of do feel a little bit European sitting out on the, the sidewalk and eating and people watching. And there's a lot of people watching to do here. So 
And then I think one of the other trends is, um, and this has been happening for a while. I don't think it's necessarily because of the pandemic, but you know, with shopping, and I'm I'm guilty of this too. All of us shop online, and I think if anything, it's become the pandemic has really stress the need for stores and retailers, big and small, to really be to, to be a little bit more innovative in in, in um, their store designs. I think I don't know how long this will last, but like you'd mentioned before, everything is it looks like it's from a movie set. Everyone wants that Instagram moment or TikTok moment. I don't know. I think I'm <laughs> not the right age. <laughs> One or the other, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think people are, you know, they really want to be immersed in something with like an incredible, you know, incredible interior design. Maybe they're, they've got, you know, their own soundtrack. Maybe there's all kinds of things you can do with the blend of like tech and brick and mortar. You're seeing a lot more stores that don't even carry inventory. You know, you just go there and check out the showroom and people don't want to be bothered with bringing home a bag of stuff and they just order it to go, or you, you know, they order for delivery there's a lot of direct-to-consumer brands like Casper. I think there's um, several other like online shoe brands that are now opening stores when they previously swore they never would and they were going to stay online. But I think that's just going to become a trend as far as retail goes and shopping and how they're going to attract people to stay in the store and interact. I think it's really more become an, become an immersive experience more so than just a, a transactional experience in a lot of stores now. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Because I mean, I mean, we see that with kind of the mom and pop stores, like they, they're really mm-hmm. making their places like immersive and a reason for you to go there. But then we're also seeing it with the large malls. Like if you go to mm-hmm. Westfield Century oh, yeah. City, I mean, they'll have these sculptures and artworks and stuff you want to take pictures with and murals yeah. and pop-ups. And they really got to give you a reason to go there. Because like you said, with one click of the button, you can order the same thing on Amazon. So I mean, it can't just all be restaurants and bars. They have to give you a reason to go there to shop at the stores and buy products and support those local businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the coolest things that, I mean, it's, it's been happening for a while too, is, you know, for people who want to support, you know, a local mom and pop shop or an independent store. um, I think what's great is you know, a lot of major brands are seeing that desire among shoppers too. And you're seeing a lot of, you know, even at like the bigger malls, you know, pop-ups where they integrate, you know, local creatives and designers and makers. And yeah, I think it's it's good for everybody. Yeah, definitely. It makes the experience uh, more fun um, when you go out Mm -hmm. and who doesn't want to share a picture nowadays, right? You can't do anything without (laughs) telling people you're doing it, right? I know, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm guilty there too. But um, yeah, I wanted to get back into writing because like I mentioned, you've written for some uh, major magazines. So I'm going to get some free advice here. (laughs) I was wondering what's what's the process that goes into deciding what to write about? Like, uh, you know, so many people would love to have a piece done on them in one of these LA local magazines. As a writer, did you just get pitched all day? Did you decide what would be interesting and then you get the green light from your editor? Or what's the process like for someone who wants to be written about and they have some interesting business or something interesting about them that's going on locally in LA? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could I could probably talk about this for a whole other podcast, <laughs> but um, I'll try to boil it down in a nutshell. You know, I think the most important thing, I mean, first of all, my inbox is very crazy, but I think that's just from almost a decade of like writing about a, a lot of different things. And so, uh, you know, uh, you get pitched on just everything under the sun, but um, I don't think I'll ever get to inbox zero. And I'm sorry to anyone who's listening that I haven't 
responded to your email. <laughs> well, I feel I feel grateful now because it did take us a while to connect, but we eventually did. So. Yeah, yeah, no, this is good. But I guess as far as the process of deciding what to write about, at least you know I can tell you at least for Uncover LA, it's just you see so many. I mean, you see so many pitches that are you know more or less about the same thing, and I think. If you have a really interesting concept, people will pick it up. I know that's not really like great advice. Uh, it has to be newsworthy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it has to be newsworthy. You know, I, I think it's funny that we're talking about immersive and experiential because I feel like those two words are some of the most popular keywords I'm seeing in a lot of the pitches that I get. And then it's like, oh, well, I feel like you were overpromising with that pitch. But I think everything at this point is experiential or immersive if you're in a physical place. Yeah. And I guess even that has to be different because now everyone knows that they're trying to make something experiential, but it has to be, it has to stand out even there. It has to be something interesting and something right. people would really want to do. Right. But, you know, I guess, yeah, it has to be newsworthy. The pitch has to be, you know, for the right person, I think. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of PR people will get this advice or, or even independent business owners who are writing their own press releases and they don't know where to start. I think knowing your audience, too, really helps. Um, also, that that applies to, you know, what I do, what you do. You have to know your audience and that that also applies to who you're pitching to. I'm trying to think of like, you know, I, I would say 90% of, of emails I get just don't apply to me. And it's probably just, I don't think it's anyone who's sending out individual emails. It's probably, you know, like a mailing list, but mm. just, yeah, it has to be newsworthy and, and interesting. And, and part of that is, you know, part of both your and, and my job is to kind of know a little bit of what's going on out there. So you you know the trends and, and what actually is important and what readers or listeners care about. So is, yeah. is some of it timing? Like, let's say I open a new coffee shop and it has this crazy experiential thing and I send it to you and you just happen to be looking for an article on new coffee shops. I mean, some of it, just the timing of it. You know, part of that, it, it could be. Um, and and sometimes, you know, there's just such an influx of of emails that a lot of writers get. If people don't reply, I always tell this to people, like if, if I don't reply the first or second time, sometimes the third time is when I remember to reply. And it's not, not so much that I don't think it's a good story. You're right. It could just be, it's 10 at night and the kids are asleep and I, I happen to have the time. And, you know, also oddly enough, SEO can be helpful when you're, when you're emailing people or writing a pitch. Cause I I'll search for keywords in my inbox. Mm. Just a, a little tip for anyone who's having to write press releases for themselves or for other clients. You know, I think a lot of it, unfortunately, is also the news cycle. I'm sure you're seeing this as well with, you know, with with COVID. Some stories that probably would have gotten the green light last year, it might be touchy now because no one wants to send people out to like a crowded place, like to a festival for, you know, let's just say you're working on an event listing story. And it's a little bit tricky because you almost feel responsible in that regard, there's just a whole other layer of things to to consider in regards to the pandemic. Yeah, if you're doing events, it's it's very tough, right? Yeah, now. yeah, I have a feeling everything's going to move back to Zoom. <laughs> Hopefully not, but you know, it is what it is. Well, I'm optimistic. I unfortunately said this last year, but uh, <laughs> I'm hoping things get back to normal by summer. But I said that last summer. So, okay, so. You've been writing about LA for a long time and you've lived in LA a long time. So I wanted to ask you this question about the perception of Los Angeles, because I think it's always been seen as a, a city where people 
are attracted to to chase their dreams. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it remains that today. But we get cast in a lot of negative light, especially over the last couple of years, Los Angeles, I'm talking about. So what are your thoughts on that? And do you think LA will continue to draw people from all over the country and all over the world to pursue their passions? Yeah. For, uh, yeah. The, to answer the whether people will come here. Yes. I think people, the weather is incredible. Um, you can wear shorts in, you know, now in December. <laughs> so that, you know, that, that is really um, attractive to anyone who wants to be able to <laughs> live a comfortable lifestyle, but you know, the way we treat not to be a bummer, but the way we treat our unhoused residents isn't exactly, you know, isn't exactly great on our reputation either. Um, but again, that's probably a whole con- other conversation. You know, I, I think things ebb and flow. People are always going to leave and, and not have a great experience. People are going to keep coming because Hollywood is such a, you know, it's such a dream machine, I guess, for people. You know, I think it's always going to be the land of reinvention for people, I think. And, you know, the people who move, it's like, well, you could, it could be almost any city where you find that you don't, you can't find your people or, or you, you just, you know, you get to know yourself and you realize where your comfort zone is in terms of lifestyle or culture or whatnot. Sun always attracts people. No, definitely. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think people are still going to come here. I think we do get bashed on the national stage a lot. Can definitely do a better job with the unhoused and homeless situation because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not being solved. <laughs> I mean, right, right. Millions of dollars, billions of dollars into it, and it's not being solved. Those people are still struggling, and yeah, uh, you know, it's a, definitely a black eye on the city. But, um, you know, LA is. Well, everything we just talked about in this episode. I mean, it's a place where people come to pursue their dreams. The weather's great. And I kind of feel like everyone who complains about Los Angeles, the things that they complain about would probably be <laughs> solved if all those people moved. Like if you don't like LA and you left, the traffic would get better. Yeah. <laughs> the housing costs would go down. So everyone who doesn't like LA, just do us a favor and leave. And then we'll, <laughs> I would we'll probably, yeah, we'll I love it even more. Said the same thing. And like, oh, should I, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, like you said, optimistic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the haters, it's like, well, you'll find your place, you'll find your people, and maybe it's not in LA and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I've just always lived here. And so um, I'm sure it could be the same for me being a transplant from LA. And maybe I'll complain about somewhere where I can't take the cold, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I'll move back. And there's uh, definitely some valid points because I mean, I'm not going to lie here that Los Angeles is a very expensive place to live. And now it's yeah. like, even the farther you get outside of LA, it's still expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I actually wrote a whole, whole series on Curbed about um, our home buying experience, which Apparently, obviously, real estate is always very touchy, but many internet people, you know, had a lot to say about it. But what, what year did you be, buy it? What we bought our house in the valley in 2017. Wow, so um, it's gotten even crazier since then. Yeah, so I, I, I'm sure a lot of what I had reported on then is probably outdated by now. But you know, housing is a yeah, it's a touchy subject, obviously. But you know, I think housing aside and that circling back on why people love LA, I mean, I think you're also seeing this in, you know, the art 
and fashion and creative worlds, you know, I feel like for such a long time, LA was always snubbed as, you know, what you saw in reality television and in like the 2000s with Paris Hilton, whatever the reality TV show she was on. And, you know, that whole scene where people kind of got the impression that everyone here wears juicy couture, <laughs> villa tracksuits and were fake and whatnot, or I think you're seeing now, especially in like fashion and creative worlds, a lot of, you know, there's art shows here now. The LA art show is here. The, uh, what's the one from, I'm trying to, I, I can't remember at the moment, but a, a lot of fashion designers are are having their shows here. Like, I mean, like Tom Ford and um, Gucci just had a runway show on Hollywood Boulevard. So I don't think people look down as much on LA as um, Juicy Couture tracksuit capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely, definitely in fashion, in arts and culture, and um, the food scene. Those are all things that LA's definitely um, gotten more respect um, over yeah. the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. But so speaking of that, how much we love Los Angeles, let's get back to that. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you if you could describe for us what would you would consider your dream day in LA from getting up to going to bed? What would happen and where would you go to make it the dream LA day for you personally? Oh my gosh. In this story, I would, I would be a, a, a morning person, which I wish I was, but I think I'm not. <laughs> but um, in my perfect LA day, you know, I wish I could wake up at 5am and do a, a walk or a hike before everyone wakes up. I'm trying to think of like a specific location. You know, I think as much as people hate on Runyon, it's, you know, you get good views um, and it's easy to get to depending on what time you get there. Mm -hmm. What else would I do? Assuming it's like a Saturday, you know, get brunch somewhere. This is like very cliched, but um, I'm I'm just trying to think of like a specific location. Um, I mean, maybe a better, I'll just give an example of like a recent thing we did with, you know, with the kids is... um, Sometimes we'll go to uh, the Trails Cafe in uh, where Ferndale Trail is in Griffith Park. Oh, I love that a, spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it can. it's obviously like it gets busy, but just depending on the time you go, you know, like get some breakfast and coffee there and, and do a little hike. If you can make it um, all the way up to the observatory and on a clear day, you can see out to, you know, the ocean. And then, uh, I don't know, hang out at the observatory and then come back down and have lunch somewhere around there. I'm trying to think of like something that's a little bit more, less cliche as far as a dream day in LA. Hey, you know what? You just described my last weekend. It was the best weekend we've had in a long time. So even yeah. though it's cliche, it's, it's, it's an awesome weekend. We went, got up super early, definitely go early, but we went to the observatory. We didn't go to the Trails Cafe. We drove by it, but um, okay. I mean, the absurd, you forget how incredibly these landmark cliche, quote unquote, places are until you go back and visit them again after a while. And Griffith yeah. Park Observatory is incredible. It is. And, um, you know, I think whether or not you have kids, I know you have um, you have a son, right? Yeah. You know, whether or not you have kids, if you have dogs, you know, we take we try to take our dogs out with us. You know, you can find short little like half day excursions everywhere. Another place that's like kind of cool to check out is the, I was trying to remember the name of this earlier, but you know, maybe another perfect day is um, going somewhere in Altadena and having brunch there or getting, getting an early start and going to the Sam Merrill trail. If you've heard of it. Yeah. I've heard of that one. I haven't been on that one, but I've heard of it. It's, it's good. It's probably maybe not great for like younger kids. Cause it's almost three miles up 
one way and there's a lot of switchbacks. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, if you're really into the outdoors and if you're really into LA history, you just see a lot of really cool relics of the hotel that used to be there. Um, there used to be a, um, a little railway that went up and down the mountain back in, I think, the 20s. But it's just, you know, it's really cool for, you know, if you're really outdoorsy and, and you like nature, there's so many really great spots to have a to have a perfect day. Yeah, as far as like a dream outdoorsy day, that would be it. But shopping would be a different would be a different uh, answer. That's a different uh, dream day, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, assuming even you know, even if you don't have unlimited funds, just um, you know, window shopping. I think one of my favorite places has always been to go to Melrose, just because it's changed so much. I used to go there as a teen, you know, in high school, my friends and I would take the bus there and to see how it's changed. And yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of really great cafes there. Again, I'm like trying to think of specific places, but I, th- I feel like it changes so much. The uh, cafe at um, Ron Herman, it, it used to be Fred Siegel there. It's at Melrose. And I'm trying to think of the cross street. You know, if you, if you look up Ron Herman, the, the restaurant there is really great. You can get some shopping done at Ron Herman next door, or you can just drive up and down Melrose. And, you know, there's kind of something for everyone there. If you want more of designer stuff, you go on one side of, you know, one end of Melrose and you can find that. If you prefer streetwear or more independent shops, you can get that kind of near Fairfax. That's kind of like, you know, a great shopping day if you don't really care for Rodeo or you know, the Beverly Hills scene. Yeah, that's a perfect answer for you as someone who writes about retail because Melrose is definitely the spot for that. Um, like you said, you could spend an entire afternoon or day there just shopping, going to the great cafes there. So that's an awesome answer, Danielle. And I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, where's the best place for people to go who want to find out more about you or follow Uncover LA? Online, you can go to our website at uncoverla.com. We're on Instagram at Uncover Los Angeles. We're on Twitter at Uncover LA. Uh, and same for Facebook, also Uncover LA. Yeah, we are there. Okay, cool. Yes, definitely recommend you follow Uncover LA. Like I said, I get a lot of my ideas that you see on Instagram or on our VIP text from that website there. In fact, you guys just posted a story about a new hotel bar that I'm definitely going to check out. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that one. So guys, check out Uncover LA and thank you so much for coming on, Danielle, and have a good day. Thanks for having me. This is fun. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Welcome back guys. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Danielle from Uncover LA. It's one of the resources I check regularly to keep up with what's going on in Los Angeles. You can find out more about her and her website at uncoverla.com or on their Instagram, which is Uncover Los Angeles. Okay, let's get to my hack for the episode. I'm gonna share with you some other great resources for finding out what to do in Los Angeles. All right, number one, Life Hacks LA. Yes, of course, guys. If you wanna find out the best stuff that's going on in Los Angeles, definitely follow us on all our platforms. We work really hard to keep up with everything that's going on and only bring you the best. So I know you're listening to us here on this podcast, but we also have a weekly blog that gives more in-depth information. You can find that at lifehacksla.com. Sign up for the newsletter and we will email you every week when we publish a new post. Secondly, of course, is on Instagram. We post pictures, stories, and reels almost every day sharing the best of LA. 
And then finally, we have the LA Hackers Club. So this is for our hardcore LA hackers. We share our best secrets here. Every Friday morning, we text out super secret suggestions for that weekend. We add you to our private stories, and we invite you to our in-person LA Hacker meetups, which usually happen once a month. You can join the LA Hackers Club at lifehacksla.com forward slash join the club. Okay, a couple other websites that I want to mention that I follow to keep up with everything that's going on in LA. Of course, Uncover Los Angeles, our guest today. Also, marianainla.com, who will be on a future episode. I uh, regularly read momsla.com for kid and fam- family-friendly stuff. ledreaming.com. Uh, welikela.com, which is which is one that's been around for quite some time. And then a couple other honorable mentions here is infatuation.com and timeout.com. Those last two are based in a lot of cities, but they have really good articles and sections specifically on Los Angeles. Okay, those are the main ones that I use to keep up. And of course, for you, follow us on all our platforms, Lifehacks LA, because like I said, we work really hard to bring you only the best. All right, have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you again in the next episode.